0: to not evangelize is to disobey. Now, evangelism is certainly a privilege. Evangelism is certainly an honor. Evangelism is certainly a joy. And we're going to get there. Uh, We're going to talk about how evangelism should be a delight to our souls, to, to tell others about Jesus, to tell them about the grace that's available for them in the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's, that's a joy. But before we talk about evangelism being a delight, we have to talk about how evangelism is also a duty. Because if we skip this, if we skip how evangelism is a matter of obedience, then we miss out on a very crucial motivation for evangelism. Don't miss what the Bible says is saying here. This is a matter of obedience. If you're a Christian here today, this commandment is for you. It's not just for the pastors here. It's not just for the elders. It's not just for the small group leaders. It's not just for the spiritually mature in this room. This is your marching orders, soldier. This is for you. Evangelism is a matter of obedience, and that should be our motivation. Third, let's talk about a love for the lost. Uh, We should be internally compelled to preach the gospel, to proclaim Christ, because we love the lost. And when we talk about a love for the lost, we have to realize that we were not the first to love the lost, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And so when we talk about loving the lost and we try to cultivate a love for the lost in our hearts, we have to realize that really what we're doing is patterning our lives and our hearts after God himself. Luke chapter 13, verses 34 to 35 Uh, We see a love for the lost in Jesus during his time on earth. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken and I tell you, You will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In this passage, Jesus is absolutely heartbroken. His heart is torn to shreds. He begins, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, adding the O and repeating Jerusalem to show this endearment, this tenderness, his heart spilling out for them. The Jews throughout their history killed prophets and and stoned the ones that God sent to them. And, And in just a little while, they would be crucifying the greatest prophet that God sent to them in Jesus Christ. And knowing how stubborn they were and knowing the judgment that would fall on them because of their rejection of the Messiah, Jesus is broken. And he uses this illustration here of a hen who just wants to gather her own children to her, gather them under her wings to to protect them, to bring them close, to love them. But they run away. They don't want to be with, with their mom. And that's how Jesus feels. He came for his own people. And they didn't want him. They didn't want to be close to him. They didn't want to receive his protection and provision. And for this, Jesus is absolutely heartbroken. Matthew 9, 36, another incident of Christ's heart for the lost. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then the heart of the Apostle Paul, Romans 9, 1-3, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart, for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. That passage is wild, guys. I wish I was accursed so that my fellow Jewish people could be saved. I'll trade places with them. I'll go to hell so they can go to heaven. That's how much I love them. And I think that's why Paul has to say, I'm speaking the truth. I'm not lying. Because when you hear the statement, you might think, you're lying. You're not speaking the truth. He says, no, I'm not not lying. I'm serious when I say this. This is how big his heart is for the lost. And we preach the gospel because we have the same heart as God, as Jesus, and as the Apostle Paul who loved the lost greatly. See guys, here's what it comes down to. We evangelize to people because we love them. And we don't evangelize to people because we don't love them enough. Instead, we fear them. We just want them to like us. We want them to respect us and think highly of us. So not evangelizing is inherently a selfish thing. It's a self-love thing. It's a self-preservation thing. I don't want to go through that. I don't want to go through the pain. I don't want to mess up this relationship. I don't want them to think of me that way as the super spiritual guy, the guy who makes things awkward all the time. I don't want to go through all of that, and so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But if you love them enough, then you're going to be willing to stick your neck out there for them. You're going to say, I got a message for you, and this conversation ain't going to be pretty. It's going to hurt you. It may hurt me more. It may be awkward. It may change our relationship forever. But I love you. And I have to tell you this, because this is the message, the only message that will save you. So I'm going to say it, I'm going to say it, because I love you that much. Hebrews chapter 9, uh, 27 to 28, we have a sobering text uh, containing a reality that we don't often like to talk about or like to think about even, but a reality that we're all going to face. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. It is appointed for man to die once. Then comes judgment. No exceptions. Death is unavoidable. There is a funeral in your future. We're all born with a limited amount of time. We're all born with the fuse lit. We're all born with our death date circled on God's calendar. I'm dying. And so are you. And so are they. And we don't know how much longer we have to evangelize, and we don't know how much longer they have to repent. Life is short, death is certain. Eternity is long. Heaven and hell are real. Guys, the Titanic has sunk. And by God's grace, we're in the lifeboat. We've been rescued. And we're, we're headed toward the shore. But, as we sail to the shore, we're surrounded by the screams of the damned, those who are in the water perishing, freezing, dying all around us. And we have a choice in the lifeboat and stick with each other, talk about how great it is to be in the lifeboat. How terrible it was when we were freezing and perishing in the water. Just just how how nice it is, how warm it is here in the lifeboat. Talk about how great it's going to be when we reach the shore. Or we can spend our time as we sail toward the shore grabbing, as many people as we can into the boat. Not turning a deaf ear to the screams of those around us. But rescuing as many as we can to bring as many friends as we can to that heavenly shore with us in this short time that we have. Charles Spurgeon said, quote, quote, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions. Let not one go unwarned and unprayed for." Amen. Let's have an urgency like this. The most loving thing we can do is bring the lost, the good news. We see that in verse 28. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. This is the good news. Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, yours, He will bear your sins away, take them to the cross so that you don't have to carry them anymore. He suffers the punishment for them. He takes your sins as far as the east is from the west. And Jesus is coming back. That's a part of the good news too. He's coming back a second time and he's going to take us home. The gospel is an urgent message, not because we have to urgently warn people to escape hell, but because we also have to urgently show people the way to heaven. There is urgency in the good news. We must give an urgent message of joy as well. If we love them, we want their joy. We want their good You see, this motivation is not so disconnected from the first. In fact, they're strongly linked. The greatest good for a person is found in worshiping God. The greatest joy for a person is found in worshiping God. And so if you love the lost, if you want their greatest good, if you want their greatest joy, if you want the highest quality of their life here and in eternity, then you will tell them, to repent and glorify God. Evangelism is a matter of obedience. It is a matter of duty, but it is also a privilege. It is also a joy to tell people about grace and forgiveness. You see, when we call a man to believe, we call a man into eternal happiness. And it is a privilege, it is an honor to be able to call a man to eternal happiness. And if you think about it, we have no reason to be ashamed of calling men to eternal happiness. One pastor puts it this way, we show them the reality of our friendship by sharing with them our most valuable possession. We show them the reality of our friendship by sharing with them our most valuable possession. I want to use some sanctified imagination here. So imagine with me. When you do finally cross that heavenly Jordan onto the shore, and you're in heaven, And you see that friend there, that friend that you prayed for so many times and shared the gospel with so many times, and you remember that moment when they professed Christ and they got saved, and you see them, you say, yes, they're here. Praise God. And that friend says, so good to see you. Let's go worship Jesus. Uh, let's, let's, Let's go worship the Lamb. You start heading over to the center of the New Jerusalem where the Lamb is and being worshiped. And as you're taking steps on those streets of gold, someone catches your eye. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? I didn't know that you were a Christian. And they said, yeah, I came to Christ later in life uh, after we had stopped talking, and praise God, I'm here. And you scratch your head. You say, I, I, I just don't get it. Even though I have a glorified mind now, I still don't get it. It's a sanctified imagination here. <laughs> I don't get it. You hated God. I shared the gospel with you that one time, and you were so mad. If I remember correctly, that was, that was kind of the start of us not being friends anymore. We kind of drifted after that and never really talked to each other after that. And the person says, yeah, I, I remember that. And it hurt. I didn't like it. That conversation was painful. And I didn't like you either after that. But I went home that night and I, I thought about it before I went to sleep. I put it out of my mind and I was able to fall asleep. And I think about it for, for years after that. But I remembered when you told me that, and it was in the back of my mind, it gnawed at my heart. And I, I felt like at one point I should probably check out church. I should probably figure out what I believe. If if there was this guy crazy enough to mess up our relationship, tell me the gospel, I should at least check this out. And so I started going to church. The people there were so loving, they were so faithful to share the gospel with me, so patient with answering my questions, and and then I got saved. Thank you for being bold enough to share the gospel with me Just, just that one time. Thank you for planting that seed that God used to sprout eternal life. Now let's go. We're late for worship now. Let's go worship Jesus together. I wonder if that'll happen. I hope that'll happen. Heaven will only tell. Heaven will only reveal how God used our prayers and used our evangelism to call sinners to himself. And so let's persevere. Let's not lose heart in praying for the lost and calling them to eternal happiness in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word and these specific motivations we have to be the faithful evangelist that you've called us to be. And God, we confess that. For every motivation you give, we have an excuse uh, to stay home and to not evangelize, to, to not further that relationship with that friend. So, Lord, we ask for, for your help, uh, your supernatural strength, uh, to be fishers of men. Uh, give us courage, give us boldness, uh, help us to understand the gospel at a deeper level and to take even more joy in our salvation so that that joy overflows in, in wanting that joy for others. We depend upon you. We trust in you uh, because only you can give this courage and only you can save. And We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.